Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the Al Franken podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Hey, everybody, I got a great one today. And you know, usually when I say that, I'm lying, but not today, not today. That's because we got Cecile Richards, someone who is, I would say, an icon. Cecile Richards, of course, was the president of Planned Parenthood from 2006 to 2018 and is co-founder of Supermajority, a political action committee that focuses on getting women voting and elected. Uh, to office. Planned Parenthood is the number one provider of reproductive services for women in the United States, serving millions of women a year across our country, providing a whole host of uh, services, birth control, cancer screenings, STD tests, uh, pregnancy-related services, primary care, and, and abortions. Now, in 2011, we were having a debate in the Senate about the budget, and Arizona Senator John Kyle, Republican uh, colleague, went to the floor to attack funding for Planned Parenthood and said, this is what he said, quote, if you want an abortion, you go to Planned Parenthood, and that's well over 90% of what Planned Parenthood does. Well, that was actually a, a little off. Actually, 3% of Planned Parenthood's budget went to providing abortions, uh, at least that year. And after that was pointed out, Kyle's staff released a statement saying, this is a quote, his remark was not intended to be a factual statement. Now, I ended up losing an argument with, with my staff. I wanted to offer a resolution saying that any statement given on the floor of the Senate which presents itself as factual, must in fact be factual. And I wanted to bring that to a vote, but my, my damn team argued me out of it. Anyway, Cecile and I talk about the midterms and the politics of Roe uh, being struck down by the bastards on the Supreme Court. Now, we had this conversation on Tuesday afternoon before the primary results in uh, New York from that day, and we saw that in a, a special election in the 19th congressional district, the Republican who was expected to win didn't win. The Democrat, Pat Ryan, beat the Republican, Mark Molinaro. Now, this was a special election. Ryan will serve out the remainder of Antonio Delgado's term, who became lieutenant governor after the previous uh, lieutenant governor resigned. Now, this has been taken as a sign that what will be happening in the November midterms may very well be quite different from the route of Democrats that many pundits have been predicting for some very good reasons. Inflation, gas prices, uh, Biden's low poll numbers, the inability to pass elements of Build Back Better, all it was looking grim. Well, a, a few things happened over the last uh, couple months. Gas prices have gone down dramatically. Democrats passed an historic bill uh, to address climate change that includes a couple of important health care pieces, Medicare finally uh, being able to negotiate with the pharmaceutical industry. That, that's big. Making sure that premiums in the Affordable Care Act uh, don't go up as they were scheduled to. Finally, a minimum tax on, on the profits of large corporations at 15%, and maybe the Inflation Reduction Act will also uh, reduce inflation. Last month, 
inflation was actually as a month less than zero, almost entirely that was because of, of gas prices. And then, of course, this week we've had the student loan forgiveness, which is particularly popular with those whose student loans are, are forgiven. And that is a significant burden lifted from uh, millions of folks. But mainly, I think we're talking about abortion. You saw the vote in Kansas, a very red state, 60% voting against, essentially, the Republican position. That was a big sign that what Alito and Thomas and Gorsuch, Kavanaugh and Coney Barrett have done is very, very unpopular. So these midterms are, are looking very different now than they were just a couple months ago. Now, that can change. That, that can change. I had a special interest in the 19th district in New York. First, in the, in the special election, which Ryan won, and Molinaro lost. Again, that was to serve out the rest of the term for what was New York's 19th district. Now, as you know, New York had redistricting, a late one. And in the new 19th, which is a lot of the what the 19th was, the current 19th, in the new 19th, there was a primary on the Republican side, Molinaro won, he was unopposed. On the Democratic side, the winner was Josh Riley. Josh Riley was my general counsel in the Judiciary Committee for four years. He is brilliant. He grew up in the district, working class family in Endicott, New York. Dad worked in a factory, didn't go to no Ivy League college, but went to Harvard Law right out of law school, worked for children's rights. He is the real deal. He won the primary by a two-to-one margin, worked his ass off, knows what he's doing. Great fucking guy, Josh Riley. And I want you to help him. I don't ask you listeners for much. I, I don't ask you for money to support the podcast. You have to suffer some commercials, and I try to make them entertaining and sometimes succeed. Go to joshreillyforcongress.com and donate, please. Josh is the real deal. He's very pro-choice, and his plan to fight Dobbs is on his website. His opponent, Monero, is against codifying Roe. This is a genuine battleground seat. He can win this. Josh can win this with your help. Josh will win this with your help. Thank you. One last thing. I'm back on tour. The only former U.S. senator currently on tour tour is back on tour. Go to alfranken.com. I'll be in cities like Burlington, Vermont, Los Angeles, California, Mesa, Arizona, Portland, Oregon. And when I say cities like them, I mean them, those cities, plus some others. Go to alfranken.com to check it out. But first, go to joshreillyforcongress.com and donate. All right. Okay. And now, Cecile Richards and a great one. You know, for a change. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Let's talk about what's being called Rovember, I hope. 
I, that's that's a new one for me, but that's a that's I like it. Can work with that. Well, uh, November is of course uh, where we win every seat <laughs> <laughs> because of Roe. It's a tidal wave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, we saw Kansas. Um, that yes. uh, bodes bodes pretty well. What 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 are your thoughts on the carryover from Kansas and where what you what are you seeing? Well, Kansas, of course was incredible. And for anyone who wasn't closely following it, I think a couple of things are really interesting. One, of course, that the Republicans set the election on one of the most impossible or unlikely days to vote, which was, you know, the beginning of August, summer vacation, a primary where there was very little on the ballot. And, you know, the hopes was that no one would, would show up. And in fact, they had turnout that was more approximated a general election year. And of course, 20% of the voters didn't vote on anything except the ballot initiative on abortion. So it was, it both, you know, caught people's attention. People were paying attention. Of course, there was an explosion of voter registration right after the Dobbs decision by the Supreme Court. So it, it was an interesting first test, you know, kind of a little microcosm of what would happen in a state if you put abortion on the ballot. Something we should talk about. Senator, because I don't, I don't think any of us know the answer to it is this was a very clear, you know, you get one choice or the other. People could vote either to uh, protect safe and legal abortion in Kansas or not. We don't have that opportunity in too many states in November, with exception of Michigan, California. So it's now a matter of how do you actually help people understand that the people they are voting for or against could in fact be deciding that issue for them as governors uh, or as state legislators or potentially as senators or members of Congress. So that's kind of, I think that's one of the trickiest things is how does this translate into a general election where there's a lot of other things on the ballot? Well, um, people have to understand that their state legislators are really important. Yeah. And their governor is really important in in this matter. And uh, I don't know if, if they understand that. And of course, with all the gerrymandering we've seen in these states like Pennsylvania, like, you know, Wisconsin and uh, Michigan, uh, Texas, you know, a lot of these states, Texas, that uh, they've made it very easy for Republicans. And especially because the districts are so partisan that the Republican who wins is the most extreme Republican very often. Right. Well, and I mean, as you know, you know, because you've seen this over the the last few decades, also it has become, this is the Republican party platform now. It's not just you have a bunch of rogue Republicans who are running on these extreme ideas that aren't embedded in the Republican party ethos. This is what the Republican party has become. And so you're right in, in the most hotly contested races that people are looking at this fall, you know, the Michigan governor's race, uh, the Pennsylvania governor's race, Georgia, Arizona, Nevada. This is not sort of an issue of gray area here in terms of where people stand. It is absolutely sort of either you believe in the right of women and people to make their own decisions about their pregnancies, or you want to ban any decisions being made by people and actually put it in the hands of politicians. So this isn't really a matter of, uh, of sort of, um, of shades of, of difference. It's, it's very extreme. I believe, and, you know, we're looking at all these races now, you know, and I think the Pennsylvania governor's race is a good example, where I think the first yeah. ad that, that Josh Shapiro, the Democrat there ran was on abortion uh, because the difference between him and his Republican opponent is night and day. Well, we should talk about some of the things that Republicans are doing around the country. It's like they're, they're not just taking the, the overturning of Roe and going like, oh, boy, we won that. Let's settle back. They have a 16-year-old was in Florida where yes. some, somebody, a judge or somebody said, well, she's uh, not mature enough to have an abortion. This is a, literally a young woman who has no parents. She's being raised by a guardian. She had to go to court because she couldn't get parental, you know, um, support for terminating a, an unwanted pregnancy at the age of 16. 
her guardian was fine with this, not, not oppositional, but the court said you are not mature enough to make this decision. Well, somehow you are mature enough to at 16 completely um, upend your life, bear a child that you and be a uh, mom. Exactly. Well, and which as, as we know, you and I know, um, we've got kids. We, uh, you, you're the good fortune to have grandkids. I don't yet, but maybe sometime in my lifetime. But uh, it's not just about having a baby. <laughs> you're responsible for that. <laughs> this is a, a lifetime of joy and responsibility. And it's just incredible to me that that young woman, that the court said, we are not going to allow you to make this decision for yourself. There's a case where a woman was denied access to cancer drugs because the drugs may cause an abortion. Tell me about that. Well, this is the other, I mean, there are so many, you know, tracks we could go on here, but one is, of course, what I'm hearing from um, OBGYNs, particularly high risk OBGYNs, is that these laws that were written not by doctors, not by medical professionals, but by politicians are incredibly difficult to interpret. And of course, no one wants to be the test case. I was actually just listening today to a story about, you know, how often this happens. It is not, I mean, it's not common, but it's not uncommon to get a cancer diagnosis. And then of course, either be denied cancer drugs or uh, be denied um, access to an abortion when you need it. It, but also these high-risk pregnancies, which um, ha- happen, I think all of us know someone who has had a situation with a desperately wanted pregnancy that did not work. And yet here are these highly trained medical professionals feeling like they cannot do anything for their patients. I, I was talking to a doctor in Dallas. Um, she's a high-risk OBGYN, deals with very complex pregnancies. She said, I literally have to take everyone out of the room. I can't put anything in writing. I talk to my patients at risk of my own license, at risk of my own, you know, future. Uh, and only the people I trust the most in other states where abortion is still legal try to, you know, figure out how to make this connection. But of course, in Texas, and just, just to add insult to this enormous tragedy in Texas, as of this week, after Wednesday, when their abortion ban, full abortion ban goes into, into effect, doctors not only are risking their license, they're risking jail time because the, it will now be criminal uh, penalties for doctors and who, who can potentially be sentenced to a life imprisonment for providing um, their patient access to abortion. It's hard to get much grimmer than that. And l- let me ask you about ectopic pregnancies. My understanding of this is that if you have an ectopic, that, that's where fertilized cells are not in, in the uterus, right? Right, right. And I mean, Al, neither one of us are doctors, so I'm, I'm not going to tell you that um, I'm an expert on ectopic pregnancy. But it's, yes, this is, um, and, and these, of course, we are hearing stories about, it's just where, you know, the fertilized egg can't develop normally. Uh, it's like in the, the fallopian tubes. Exactly, exactly, and it is life threatening, and and I, you know, again, we're hearing various stories come out from hospitals uh, and from doctors who don't know how to treat people, treat their patients, not only even in ectopic pregnancies, but I had been speaking with again doc- doctors and in Texas, because this is where, frankly, they've pioneered um, the worst of the abortion bans, even women showing up at hospitals who are miscarrying, and who need treatment, being turned away. Uh, And, you know, folks at Planned Parenthood and other places have had women showing up because the the doctors, uh, or the staff at a hospital are so unsure of what the law is and what's required that they can't take care of them. I mean, we could go through so many uh, frightening examples. And of course, many women have bravely now been telling their stories, you know, on TV, sharing the most intimate details of, in many cases, a really tragic result of a pregnancy that, that went wrong. And this is just exactly why 
politicians should not be getting in between patients and their doctors about pregnancy. And that's actually why not only obviously we saw in Kansas, but what we're, we will, are seeing around the country, and I think we'll continue to see, which is that people, regardless of their political stripe, oftentimes, regardless of how they personally feel about abortion, they do not like the idea of government controlling uh, what you do about a pregnancy. That's just the truth of the matter. And this is wildly unpopular across the country. Uh, in states like Kansas, you know, back when you and I were working together, when I was um, at Planned Parenthood, I mean, we we had abortion bans that went onto the ballot in South Dakota, for example, in Mississippi, very conservative states, where the voters of those states just overwhelmingly voted down abortion bans uh, because they didn't believe that government should be intruding in those kinds of decisions. And in many cases. And again, this goes back kind of to gerrymandering. You will have people in a state overwhelmingly for allowing women to have an abortion if they need one. And the state legislature will vote to ban it. And, and if you have the wrong governor, they'll sign it. That's, that's exactly right. Well, I mean, I even know, and again, I just keep referring back to Texas because I feel like it's just a kind of a good example. In Texas, people are... Uh, absolutely opposed to what Governor Abbott and the and the Republican-led legislature has done. This was even before this uh, really horrific extreme abortion ban is going to go into effect, um, criminalizing doctors. It it's it's not popular. And um, again, I think it's you're right. It is about what is it like to be living under, frankly, minority rule. What happens in a country when? Um, one, you can't vote like states like Texas not only pass abortion bans, but also have made it extremely hard to vote. You know, so it is the gerrymandering that you raise just continues to get worse and worse and worse. But what happens when you have a country where people are being ruled by leaders, um, or maybe not even leaders, politicians uh, who are legislating against and, and the judges. will of the people and, and judges. judges? No, and judges exactly. Although, you know, this is something that really bugs me is, listen, the Supreme Court, it's horrific what the what the Supreme Court did in this decision. But I, I think we make a mistake sometimes in not telling the full story because those judges got there, <laughs> as you know, uh, they got there because the Republican Party put them there. So this is actually, if we really want to hold people accountable, it is Republicans who jam those Trump, three Trump appointees onto the Supreme Court. This is what they wanted to happen. And those are the folks who now have to be held accountable at election time. I was on the Judiciary Committee, but, you know, I, w I wasn't a lawyer, but I played one in a sketch. Which was great. I mean, I think you did a great job. Yeah. Well, thank you. But I, you know, I knew that these guys would vote to overturn Roe. I mean, how did Susan Collins not know that? <laughs> yeah, I knew it too. So, no, exactly. Well, and as you look, and the whole m manner in which these appointees, including, of course, the last confirmation um, of Judge Barrett, you know, literally weeks before one of the well, most literally sworn in like eight yeah. days before the election. Right. After saying we couldn't take up Garland because it was there had been some votes in New Hampshire. It was it was February when Scalia died, right? And and Coney Barrett was sworn in eight days before uh, the election. Correct. I mean, it's um, but I think and I think it can be very frustrating about you know because you feel like the Supreme Court, like what are you going to do? And so I think it's so important that we remember there are ways to impact what happens in the future, which is we obviously now have to establish that. Safe and legal abortion, which was protected under a constitutional right for nearly 50 years, is now something that we're going to have to win um, at the ballot box and um, through, uh, you know, electoral means. And that's because I, I think it's it's it could be you can just bang your head against the wall thinking about the Supreme Court or you can figure out how we're actually going to mobilize the 70 percent, 80 percent of people in this country who believe abortion should be safe and legal uh, and get them mobilized and get them out to vote.
Right. Let's bang on doors, not on our heads. Right. See what I did there? Well, I kind of, yeah. I mean, the way I sort of think think like a grassroots organizer, I feel like there's three things we got to do. One is explain to people what just happened, which, because of course, as you know, it's like, this isn't a one day story. We now are, you know, state after state after state. And then of course, next year, as we get into legislative sessions, they're going to start, start passing and enacting abortion bans. So this, so this is a this is a dynamic story. So we have to explain to people what's happening. Second, we have to show them the result. And, you know, you mentioned the story in Florida. Of course, there was the 10-year-old girl in Ohio who had to literally go to Indiana uh, to terminate a pregnancy. Remember that re- the Republicans would go like, we don't even think that happened. Oh, of course. It's just the shame and, I mean, inhumanity to me of what the Republicans are doing. Anyway, we have, so we have to make sure that people actually face what does it mean to lose access to making a decision about your pregnancy. And then the third thing, third thing is we have to make sure voters know who did it. Because I think this is the missing piece to me is that as all these horrifying stories are coming out, this did not happen by chance. This did not happen because like small rogue of right wing extremists, you know, did something. It is because the Republican Party made this their agenda, frankly, made it their agenda over everything else. And they're like the dog that caught caught the bus now. And we have to make sure that people understand it is the Republican Party that should be held responsible. And we got to hold them accountable at election time until this is until they pay the price politically. They're not going to stop. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Cecile Richards after this word. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. How, how, how are things looking in Texas for a better O'Rourke? Good. I mean, I'm really honored to be volunteering for him. Um, he's running a great race. I feel like he is taking taking it to Greg Abbott on all the important issues. People in Texas do not like Greg Abbott. Um, they do not think he's been a good governor and not just on this issue, on so many others. You know, he's running the kind of campaign that we all you know, know is the way Democrats win. It's not because we have the slickest TV ads. It's because we get people out of their seats, knocking on doors and talk to their friends and neighbors. And I mean, I'm about to I'm going to go see Beto uh, right after Labor Day, where he's ending up a 40 day tour of the state of Texas, which is no small matter. It's a huge state. And uh, he, he's kind of laying it all out there. It's it's a very tough state, though, Al, because they've made it so hard to vote. The Republicans have really, really. I know they did some very, very strange things on uh, making it very hard to register even. And you, you had to use the original identification that you registered with years ago. And it's now, ridiculous. Do you remember, I mean, do you remember what you registered years ago with, uh, you know, your, your social security? Did you use your driver's license? Did you use your electric bill? You know, they deliberately made it almost impossible. I know. I, I was actually just, I was on the phone last night with a, a really great young woman, Lena Hidalgo. She's a county judge in, in Houston, which is, I think Harris County is like the third largest county in the country or something. It's, it's gigantic. It's, as, I think it's, 
the population the size of like Louisiana or something. And the county judge in, in, in Texas, it's not a judicial position. It's an elected position. And you basically are like the chief executive officer. And Lena had done, or Judge Hidalgo had done, tremendous things, particularly during COVID to help people go vote. You know, they did 24 hour drive through voting. They had Dropbox voting. They did. I mean, and we, and we had phenomenal turnout uh, in Harris County, but of course now uh, the Republicans have locked that down, right? They have tried to eliminate anything that makes it right. easier, particularly for working people to get out and vote. So um, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. There's a political scientist in, in, in Houston, He's at the University of Houston, Richard Murray, he says, you know, Texas isn't a red state or a blue state. It's just a non-voting state. So if we could ever fix that, um, we could we could win statewide elections. Well, the Republican Party has become a party that's trying to really trying to destroy democracy. Yeah, that's what I see. And they're, they're destroying truth and democracy and any unity in our country that's yeah. one of the sad things too is how divided they've deliberately made us and, i know uh, i'm kind of mixed on that i i mean because i feel like it's th- this whole division thing is a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy right and i remember you know after i left planned parenthood i started an organization to try to bring women together to become more you know, involved in elections. And, and I feel like in a way, what I found is actually going around the country and sitting down with groups of women is actually, we weren't that divided uh, about what we really cared about and what what we wanted from government. But unfortunately, I think that yes, the rhetoric is, you know, the country is totally divided, because that's, of course, very destabilizing. It makes it very hard to get up and do anything because you think, well, I guess if everybody's divided, then we're never going to win. And that's what I think. I mean, again, I think this whole issue of, of Roe and safe and legal abortion is a good example where every time I go on TV, they say, you know, oh, highly, highly, you know, controversial issue, blah, blah, blah. I mean, people have different opinions, but when you have something, a right that is supported by more than 70% of the country, it is actually not that highly controversial. And so I think some things that the Republicans have done have tried to create disunity when in fact, there's a little bit more unity than we realize. Well, certainly on this issue, but what they did was, you know, we have the Supreme Court, this, you know, appointed by presidents who didn't win the uh, popular vote. And we have and Garland being blocked, et cetera. Don't want to dwell too much on that. But you have gerrymandering up the wazoo in state, you know, for state legislative seats, which this court won't touch and they should be touching. They have become a a anti-democratic party, the Republican Party. And it's extremely dangerous. And the most anti-democratic thing is they can't lose an election. If they lose an election, it was stolen. Right. I just think we should just, you know, from now on, just say, no, we didn't lose. It was stolen. <laughs> I mean, right. why, they do it. Why not? I, it's 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 ridiculous. Uh, the guy running for governor in Mastriano, secretary of state candidates in all these states are saying, no, uh, Trump won. It was stolen. That's very, very, very scary. To some degree, our democracy is at stake in this election. Oh, I don't disagree. As folks may know, whoever the in Pennsylvania, the secretary of state is appointed by the governor. So whoever the governor is mm-hmm. really has all the levers of power. And I completely agree that that's why these these races are important, not only because we want good people in office, but because in the 20, you know, as we get to the next presidential election, there are obviously states where if a few things had been different, Joe Biden's uh, election would have never been certified. And Doug Mastriano is a perfect example of someone who, if he's in charge of Pennsylvania, I don't see how a Democrat ever uh, would be able to be declared the winner in a presidential election because he'll control the, not only control the the means of, of certification, but has already kind of told told you what his point of view is. 
which is they can't lose. And this way, I, for my listeners, a few things. One, get on the doors. We had uh, my last podcast, D Taylor from Unite Here. Oh, great. You know, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, they are unbelievably good at the ground game. And basically what Dee was saying on this podcast was that's polling is knocking on doors. That's where you find out. Right. And we had John Anzalone, who is a pollster and Dee, we had the two on. And I felt like to my listeners, a lot of you, I've said this before, a lot of you have jobs. A lot of you have children. Ignore them. (laughs) Go out and knock on doors and Eight-year-old child knows how to use a microwave oven. An eight-year-old child can teach a four-year-old child to use a microwave oven. Use this time between now and Election Day to get out, knock on doors, get out our vote. Yes. And talk to your neighbors. And talk to your neighbors about the importance on choice and on, on these other issues. That means so much. No, totally. I mean, I'm a big believer in that. And that's the only, I mean... I mean, polling is great, but as you know, polls don't vote. So it really is a matter of this election and certainly this midterm is going to be decided by who's actually motivated. And that's where I do feel like we are now, you know, the winds have kind of turned in our favor. And unfortunately, partly because people are terrified of what the Republicans are doing. So that's that's a big motivator. But, you know, I was visiting with an organizer in Kansas, kind of back to the the what you the story you opened with. And you know, there were a lot of ads run in the state of Kansas, but there were also a lot of people literally going door to door, talking to strangers about abortion. And I'm telling you, that's like, that takes courage and that takes um, commitment. But it was really interesting that when she was saying, you know, and she got her neighbor who'd never done door knocking before and they went and she said, you know, and people, you'd think you'd get the door slammed in your face. She said, but it didn't. People actually wanted to know what was going on and they wanted to talk about it and talk about what the ballot initiative was going to do. So I, I think that, yeah, once we kind of lose touch with those on the door real conversations, that's when the democracy really starts to, to kind of fall apart. It's also kind of why I love this campaign that Beto O'Rourke is running in, in Texas because that's just all they're doing is knocking on doors, town hall meetings, hearing people. That's how you really know what's going on in a state. So that's great. I'm glad you had D Taylor. Of course, that state of Nevada, it's going to be really important this, this year. Right. Really important. Yeah. My PAC, Midwest Values PAC, has uh, invested money in Nevada and Pennsylvania with them. Great. And we did last, last time in Georgia. So yep. I'm a big believer. For, for my listeners, uh, Unite here is the hospitality workers. So they're like the culinary workers, the hotels, the stadiums. And again, polls not only don't vote, polls aren't accurate. That's right. You don't learn much. And it's very gratifying to do this, folks. It's very great. You can also make phone calls if you don't want to go door to door. But going door to door is very gratifying. And people, and you really learn, you learn stuff. Uh, this yeah. is why I learned uh, from campaigning when I was, camp- you know, when I campaign, you learn a whole bunch. And you know what? People are great. There's yeah. a, you'd be surprised how great people are. There are people who are jerks, but there are so many great people in your neighborhood. There are so many great people in your community. And it's a gratifying thing to do. It's a great learning experience, too. That's kind of, Al, what I'd say, too, is about... Like when, you know, when you said, and I think what a lot of the rap out there is, is this, the country is so divided and stuff. And that's also why people get afraid to talk to people anymore. So what you're saying to me is even more important now, because if we're afraid that everybody is, you know, going to be mean or they're going to be hateful or, you know, spew all the crazy stuff that you read on Twitter, if you do that, you just kind of give up. And I, there is nothing, there's nothing quite like, getting on, you know, going door to door and just listening to people that gives you, I think, a much better, healthier view about humanity. And that, yes, of course, we have differences of opinion, but most people are really good at heart, especially out in the Midwest. Love you guys out there. You know, when when Cruz went to Cancun, 
And then, you know, he got caught and he came back and they said, uh, I remember Ben Shapiro said, well, what can he do anyway? And first of all, there's a lot you could do as one of the only two statewide federal officials. And you have big staff, and you have connections to FEMA, there's stuff you can do. But one of the stuff you can do is learn stuff right. about the people in your state. And I remember just going to a flood south of Duluth. And there were mm-hmm. this couple, they were in their like fifties and their house, they lost their house, their foundation right. crumbled and there, it was 96 degrees out and they're standing out there sweating, talking to me. And they said, you know, we, we have family in Missouri. So we were thinking of going there, but these kids, these teenagers came and went and took all our junk that got destroyed. And over the whole weekend, just took it to the dumpster. Mm-hmm. And we realized this is our community yeah. and we're going to stay here. And that's what you learn about people, Ted Cruz. When you go around the state during a disaster, you learn how fucking great people are. Right. And that's what you, you'll learn on the doors. You'll, you'll meet an asshole or two. But, you know, then you go, bye, thank you. And then you're on to the next door. Uh, as you can tell, I'm encouraging people to go door knocking. Well, plus you had to get a hit in on Ted Cruz, which I really appreciate that we worked that into this. Um, oh, it's every podcast. Yeah, every I know. Podcast. I mean, I realized yes. I knew it was coming somewhere, but yeah. no, I think that's, <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> no. And listen, no one, I, no one I'd rather have you go after, um, go after. He's amazing. Them. Don't let's, you know what? I think, can we just agree? He's already gotten enough of our energy. We're just going to have to move on. Sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. It just, uh, he's, um, okay, as my mom would say, way. he's like taking our chi. Uh, he's not worthy of that. Okay. Well, your mom. Okay. I'll listen to your mom then. Yeah, no, she had some, she has some gems, but, um, yeah, there are some things you just gotta like, let go and let God, she would say. Yep. Well, there, there's an alcoholic for you. Yeah. <laughs> she was, she knew, you know, she worked the program every day, every day. Yes. You know, I'm, uh, I'm, a codependent. <laughs> so here's my Stuart Smalleyism. Let go, let go. But here's it's easier to put on slippers than to carpet the entire world. Well, I don't even really know what that means, but I'm going to be, I'm going to write that down and think about it. Maybe when I Well, go actually, to it's COVID. totally antithetical to what you and I do, which is we're trying to carpet the world. <laughs> so uh, where are our targets here? Where, where are we? Where are we aimed? Yeah, yeah. I think depending on who you talk to, I, th- I would say a few months ago, it was like, we've got to hold on to the United States Senate. That's so critical. And I still believe that is absolutely critical. And if we could add a couple absolutely. of people, that would be even sweeter. You know, we talked about Nevada, yep. of course, Catherine Cortez Masto, critical race, um, fabulous senator, you know, but that's a t- it's a tough state. So I'm glad, I'm glad you had, had D on. We have a chance for a pickup in Pennsylvania, as we know, which would be very good chance. Sweet. Yep. I think a very good chance. And if, if you don't follow John Fetterman on, uh, on Twitter, you need to just forget your daily dose of humor, how he is trolling uh, Dr. Oz. I was just in Hollywood. And yeah. oh, I, I just, saw you uh, on TV. Great job. Yeah. Thank you. But I went out to uh, Hollywood Boulevard to Oz's star. <laughs> <laughs> is it tarnished or is it? Bright and shiny. Oh, no, it's very nice. It's pretty new. He he decided to get a star on Hollywood Boulevard while he was running for the Senate in Pennsylvania. So I, I took a picture. I think I'll post it. Um, it's pretty pretty cool. I got yeah. I got that's my good picture uh, near uh, on his star. I feel good about that one. I feel good about. I we should be able to beat Ron Johnson. Man, oh, man. I agree. But, I mean, you know more about that than I do, but we absolutely should be able to. You know, one of the things that I'm, I'm fixated with is that he keeps saying I'm a self-made man, mm-hmm. but his, the two most important words that he did in business, said in business, were I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is, he and his brother-in-law were given this business by his father-in-law, mm-hmm. who it was, is a billionaire. <laughs> yeah, plastic magnate, and he set these two up in business. Ron wasn't even in the state when the factory was built, across the street from the dad's factory, one of the dad's factories, and their only customer was the dad's company. 
he needed a leg up. I mean, what can you say? He was not going to make it on his own. So, no, that would be sweet to defeat him. And he wants to get rid of uh, Social Security and Medicare. You have to vote on it every year, he says. Yeah. Renew it. Well, I mean, I think we have a chance there. I definitely think we have a chance there. North Carolina also, um, Sherry Beasley, really important race. Um, We have to win, of course, Arizona and Georgia again. But I I like our chances there. I think we're definitely doing better now than we were a few months ago. Especially uh, in Georgia. Because mm-hmm. uh, Herschel Walker hasn't, ironically, run a good race. No, he he's really not. He's not a good he's not a good candidate, and he would be a nightmare in the United States Senate. So that there's yeah. a bad combo. It's amazing they nominated that guy, isn't it? Isn't that kind of embarrassing? I mean, I mean, well, there's you? a lot of embarrassing <laughs> people they've nominated. Maybe I'm too optimistic, but I do believe this is going to be the downfall of the Republican party, maybe not in my lifetime, but sometime is it they, you know, they made their deal with the right wing back in Karl Rove days. And now it, they can't get rid of them. And in fact, they just keep moving, moving further and further to the right and nominating people who are just so outside the mainstream. I think you could do that for a while, but I just think ultimately it's, it's not going to work. I don't know. Actually, I'd like to throw this idea. You can see what you think. But I just believe when you look at this, look at the Republican Party. And I know we always say that young people, you know, they don't vote as much as we want them to vote. But if you look at what the Republican Party now is standing for, which is you know, ending access to safe and legal abortion, making your own decisions about pregnancy, which obviously affects young people more than anyone else. You know, they want to uh, get rid of gay rights. They don't believe in climate change. Want to do nothing about that. Um, That's kind of big. And people are noticing. I just feel like they are literally, they have lost a generation of young voters for for a long, long time to come. And I think if we do our job right as Democrats and as progressives, 4 million young people turn 18 every year in this country, and they are all our eligible voters. These are young people who have the opportunity to change what's happening in this country. And I was actually just talking to my friends uh, at NextGen that do a lot of work with young people on college campuses. And the number one issue that they um, are hearing about and saw in their their polling uh, is choice. It's, it is absolutely enraging for young voters. And so I do think that these Republicans are nominating these folks who are not qualified for office, very extreme. And I, I think there's just a, a, a whole group of voters that are, they're just not going to be able to get back. I don't Remember, know. Remember, right, not long after the leak of the Alito uh, opinion, I kind of floated the idea of immediately voting in the Senate to codify the right to contraception. Right. So uh, we talked about that. And to, to make the Republicans say, uh, you know, I, w- I would have loved to have made Republicans vote one way or the other on that. And I mean, no, I agree. And, you know, they did this in the House and hardly any Republicans voted in favor of making birth control um, something that's protected as accessible for people in this country. I mean, it's it, that alone. Yes, we should be singing this. Yeah, touting that and getting, you know, young people out saying these Republicans won't protect your right to use birth control. Correct. And that's right. (laughs) Sheesh. Well, but that's those. These are the people that they don't want to, you know, as you know, they don't want to tick off the base of folks that they feel like uh, got them elected. I mean, look, this is what we saw. Again, just who's the base that's against birth control who's that base how many americans are against birth control no it's obviously there are members of the republican party who do not believe that people should be having sex except for procreation that is the only reason that any sex should be taking place that's why they are against you know um people that are not heterosexual that's why they are obsessed with i mean they're obsessed with everything that's going on in people's bedrooms I, only, I know only one person mm-hmm. who believes that, and we've been married now 47 years. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, they're everywhere. 
But that is no, it's absolutely, it's, it's definitely a part of the Republican party. And, you know, there, I think we will absolutely see efforts in the, in the state legislatures now that the row issue has been, you know, now they've like gone, done everything they can to outlaw safe and legal abortion. We will absolutely see efforts in state legislatures to end kinds of contraception that the Republican party and the right wing does not agree with. IUDs, right. emergency contraception. It's coming. I mean, it's just a matter, it's a matter of time. I'm sure you saw the article. There's a whole wing of the party that wants to basically say that essentially a fertilized egg has the same rights as a human being. And that is going to be the next fight, which is kind of what I was, I guess, going to say about, again, the last time I'll mention Texas, I hope, but it, what, even after they banned abortion in Texas and you thought, okay, well, finally, like, you know, guns down, everybody just sort of go back to business. But instead, the state legislature and the governor then started going after transgender uh, children and their families, right? It's they can't ever stop. They are they are literally addicted to this sort of right wing power source. And so it's there is no end to this. I think it's going to continue on until the whole whole party implodes. And I think the danger is, and while I'm glad you're telling people to door knock and talk to people is people just begin to like, you know, throw in the towel and just, or say, well, I'm not going to move to those states. And what we can't do is give up on any people in any states. Like when people say, don't travel to Texas or don't travel to these places, there are people on the front lines, including in the state legislatures and in Congress fighting back in those states. And we have to support them. Well, I, I hope you enjoyed uh, listening. That beautiful music is by Leo Kotke, the great Leo Kotke. I want to thank Peter Ogburn for producing this podcast. We'll talk again next week. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the Al Franken podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. This episode is brought to you by the effortlessly scrumptious bite of Skinny Pop Popcorn. Imagine this, perfectly popped, endlessly delicious kernels, a symphony of just three simple ingredients, popcorn, sunflower oil, and a sprinkle of salt. No compromise, just pure snacking freedom. And hey, if you're up for a twist, dive into flavors like zesty white cheddar to sweet and salty kettle. Every bite's a delight, light and oh so tasty. Shop Skinny Pop now. The early 2000s was a wild time for reality TV. There seemed to be an endless supply of shows that delivered entertainment for us, but trauma for children. I'm Misha Brown, the host of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop. Each week on The Big Flop, comedians join me to chronicle the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? We recently looked behind the scenes of what was really going on at Abby Lee Miller's dance studio. Abby's biggest misstep wasn't screaming nonsensical catchphrases or throwing chairs on television, but instead, she was choreographing financial fraud in plain sight. Join me to break down all the wild details of Abby Lee Miller's story. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Big Flop early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.